with the new school year coming around, what's going to happen in the next couple weeks is many of us are going to go back into some routines. And some of the routines that we're going to be incorporating in our family life are very helpful, like getting your kids up on time, getting them fed, yes, please feed them, getting them to school. But sometimes, sometimes we go back into routines and rhythms that have become ruts. And so today I want to speak on the topic, disrupt the routine. Disrupt the routine. Sometimes in life, we need to disrupt the routine. I just want to make mention this is I was planning this message for a couple of weeks and I had it finished on Monday. And guess what the Lord did? He disrupted my routine. He says, not only am I going to have you preach about disrupting the routine, I'm going to disrupt your routine. Hey, guess what? Congratulations. I'm giving you an object lesson about how all this works. But I'll say this confidently in my spirit. I believe that this is the message that God has for you today. He wants to disrupt your routine, not because he wants to mess up your life, but because he wants you to advance into his purpose and in his plan he has for you. But sometimes it requires God to disrupt our routine. Here's my central question for you today. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to disrupt your routine. I hope right now, as I'm speaking, you would decide, to, decide today and say to the Lord, I am willing to let you, God, disrupt my routine because if you do, I know that you have great things ahead of me. It requires us to say yes to God. Yes, God, you have permission to disrupt my attitudes, my actions, my behaviors, my rhythms, my routine, no preconditions, no holding back. I'm willing to give you open carte blanche to do whatever you want to do in my life. It requires us to say that to God. And I hope that today you would make that decision because if you do, there's a miracle on the other side of your obedience. With that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in Acts chapter 10. Open up your Bible, open up your Westover app, open up your app, your Bible app. Let's look at the Word of God together. We encounter in this passage the story of a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman army, and he had been sent from Italy to come to the country of Israel and enforce the heavy hand of Rome on the Jewish people. And he was going about his business and somewhere along the way, he discovered who God was and God changed his life. God disrupted his routine. And so he continued along in his life and then God interjects in a different way and disrupts his routine. Let's take a look at the story of Cornelius and see how God disrupted the life of a believer. You know, you can be in Jesus and still be in a rut but God wants to disrupt your routine because he has something better for you. Let's look at this passage together. Verse one, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. Now I'm struck. There's this brave centurion 
man, this man of war, and he's afraid. But listen to how he responds. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa, which is 20, 25 miles away, to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. God disrupted Cornelius's routine. And what ended up happening is God disrupted his routine, but the very next day, God disrupted the life of the apostle Peter. For you see, at about the same time, three in the afternoon, Peter has this vision where there is a sheet that descends from heaven, and within that sheet were unclean animals. And he hears a voice from God that says, get up and eat. Now, if you know anything about the Jewish culture, Jewish people never ate unclean animals. And so he said to God, hey, guess what? I've never eaten anything that's unpure and unclean. To which God responded, don't declare anything unclean that I have declared unclean. In fact, God said it to him three times. And you know, whenever God says something three times, he really means it. So as he was reflecting, right after he had that vision, he was reflecting on what does this really mean? He heard the voice of God in his heart again that said, there are three men that are downstairs. They've come to get you. I want you to follow them. And right at that moment, he heard a knock on the door. He was disrupted once again. And God invited him to follow those men. Are you willing to be disrupted? God wants to disrupt you because he has a better plan for you. So today I wanna to share four ways to allow the Holy Spirit to disrupt your routine. Number one, welcome disruptions. Don't push them away, don't reject them, be willing to welcome them. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, what is it, Lord? Here's my question, how do you respond to disruptions? How do you respond to interruptions? Do you get annoyed? Do you get put off? Do you get discouraged? Do you get bothered? I love Cornelius's response. He doesn't say, hey, guess what, angel? I'm a busy guy. I've got a lot of things going on. Can you come back tomorrow? No, he says, what is it, Lord? He welcomed the interruption. And I began to think, why was it that Cornelius was willing to welcome the interruption, the disruption in his life? And when I look back at the passage, I see that he prayed to God regularly. And in an earlier moment in his life, he went from being a Gentile unbeliever to being a believer. In fact, some scholars seem to think that he may have been the centurion that came to Jesus and said, hey, I've got a servant who's sick that needs to be healed, you can heal him. And God healed him. Other scholars seem to think that maybe he was the centurion that stood guard at the death of Jesus Christ. For you see, there was a centurion at the death of Jesus Christ that said, surely, certainly he was the son of God. And just to give you a little bit of a parenthetical note, Caesarea was the place where Pontius Pilate lived most of his time, but whenever there were feast days, whenever there were celebrations like Passover, Pontius Pilate would come into town and bring a Roman regiment. And that is where Cornelius was. And so somewhere along the way, he encountered God and God changed his life. And so for whatever reason, he was willing to welcome a disruption. 
He discovered along the way that inconvenient interruptions are often divine disruptions in disguise. You know that, that, that moment when your child bugs you and they pull on your shirt? That may seem like an inconvenient interruption, but that's a divine disruption in disguise. That's an opportunity for you to lay aside the thing that you think is a priority and be willing to attend to them. In fact, Medina Valley was at one point, it seemed to be an inconvenient interruption, but it was actually a divine disruption in disguise. Here's a little bit of the history. We were remodeling this building to expand it and to make more room for people to come and worship. And right in the middle of that moment, we were presented with the opportunity to revitalize the Medina Valley campus and to take it on. And frankly, it stretched our team, it stretched our leadership. But I'm, I'm thankful to God that we have a pastor who is willing to see beyond what seemed inconvenient to see that there was a divine disruption in disguise. For you see today, now there are over 300 people who worship regularly there at the Medina Valley campus. And in September, we're launching a new campus to reach people who speak Spanish in that community. And I say, praise the Lord for that. Thank you, God, for disrupting us and for changing the status quo with us so that more people can come to know you. Cornelius had the right response. And as I was thinking about this, I began to ask myself the question, why was it that he was able to have the right response? And what I found out was that he had holy habits. Cornelius had holy habits. Listen to this verse. Cornelius was devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Fast forward to verse 22. These are the men that were sent to speak with the apostle Peter at the house at Joppa. And this is what the men say to Peter. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. You know, disruptions, how we handle disruptions determine our spiritual maturity. I'm gonna say it again. How we handle disruptions is a measure of our spiritual maturity. For you see in life, what fills our life, when life bumps up against us, that's what ends up spilling out. Here's my question. What is in your life? What has filled your life? What happens when life bumps up against you and things spill out? What happens when you stub your toe? What happens when someone cuts you off, what emerges out of you? What we fill our life is what spills out and it's only a matter of time with what we fill our life in private is what spills out in public. We can't keep it hidden. Can I encourage you to be like Cornelius and fill your life in private with holy habits so that when life shows up, you can respond appropriately there's an unbelieving generation that is looking at us and they wanna know that our faith is real. And when those critical crisis moments come and life bumps up against us, everybody around us is watching to see what we're gonna say and the attitude that we're gonna display and what are we gonna do. And I pray that we would take that time to fill in private so that what spills out is the truth of God's word. I'm telling you, people are watching you and they're waiting to see if your witness is real. So if you, as you look at the landscape of your life and you realize, hey, guess what? There's a discrepancy between who I am right now and who I want to be. Take the time today to fill your life with holy habits. 
And it all starts with us having a new vision, which is the second way that the Holy Spirit wants to disrupt us. He wants us to embrace a new vision. Verse three says this, one day he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Here's my question. What's your vision? What's on your priority list? What gets your time and your attention? God wants to redefine our vision. And some of us, we have a clouded vision of life right now. We can't seem to figure out how do I get beyond the cloudiness and the fogginess of what's in my life. I will tell you that if you embrace a new vision, if you will take the prescription that God is giving, giving to you through his word, you will then have clarity. In fact, that's the word that's been stirring in my, my heart for about the last three or four months with regards to 2020. God wants to give you a 2020 vision. He wants to give you clarity. And if you're willing to embrace the vision of God, he will provide clarity. In fact, that's exactly what happens in this passage. The, the angel of the Lord comes to Cornelius and gives him clarity about what is the priority in heaven. He says, your generosity and your prayers have come up as a memorial offering before the Lord. What's important to heaven? This is what, this is what the angel tells him. And as I was reflecting, I was asking myself, what didn't the angel say? He didn't say, hey, Cornelius, I know that you're a successful centurion. You have a lot of people that report to you. You've made a lot of money. You have a lot of influence. You have a lot of followers on social media. Everybody listens to you. No, that's not what the angel says. He says, I have seen how your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And this is what Jesus said in Mark 12, 30 and 31. This validates what the angel said to Cornelius. Mark 12, 30, 31, it says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second commandment is this, love your neighbors as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. If I had to distill it down, what this passage is telling us is that we need to love God and love other people. I would dare say, love God and serve others. I like the word serve because it, sh it shifts my heart. It changes my perspective about people. Be willing to allow God to give you a new vision, but not only give you a new vision, but also encourage you to advance your faith, which leads me to the third way that the Holy Spirit seeks to disrupt us, and that is to re repeat faith routines. Verse two says this, he, and notice this, all his family were devout and God-fearing. That means everybody. They were devout and God-fearing. They gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. They were righteous and God-fearing and they were respected by all the Jewish people. You know, in life, what we repeat gets repeated. In life, what we repeat gets repeated. The other side of that is this, is that what we don't repair also gets repeated. And I'll tell you this, as a parent, the things that I do wrong are the things that my kids end up repeating more often than the things that I do right. We must be willing to repeat faith routines because our faith is not only taught, it's also caught. If you're a young adult here today and you've got siblings in your home, if you're still living at home, what do your siblings see from you about your faith life? 
Do they see you following the pattern of the world or do they see something distinctive? What do your classmates see in college? What do your coworkers in, the, in your place of business, what do they see from you? Do they see something different from you with regards to your faith? Do they see you repeating faith routines? Do they see you praying for your meal? Do they see you and hear you say, God bless you to someone? Or do they hear you listening to the same music and saying the same words? Parents, God is challenging us to repeat faith routines. What do our kids hear from us? What do they hear us say? What do they see us watch? What are the attitudes that they see us display? If you would say in your own heart, oh my, I'm not doing what I need to do. Allow God to disrupt your routine because our private practices determine their public performance. How many of you have been at HEB and you see a little child get frustrated at the parents and the parents tell them no and the child curses back at the parents? That's an example of what happens in private spills out in public. We must be cautious about what we do in private because it's gonna come out and our kids are gonna reflect that. Some years ago, I was at a marriage conference and I'll, I'll just say this, the host challenged us he challenged us to write our own obituary. And so as I was writing that obituary, I thought it was a little bit weird. I began to reflect on what is my family gonna say about me when I pass away? For you see, all of us are gonna die and we're gonna be at a funeral home or uh, at a church. And you know, when you're dead, you can't get up out of the grave and tell them to edit the obituary that they put together. The time to edit the obituary is right now. Be willing to repeat faith routines. Be willing to do what's right. Be willing to advance. You know, sometimes in life, we allow our faith to go flat. Don't let your faith go flat. I was recently at a restaurant and I filled my drink and I went back to the table and I began to drink the drink and I realized, guess what? It was flat. It had lost its fizz, it had lost its flavor. And I began to think, how does that reflect our faith life? You know, sometimes our faith goes flat don't let your faith go flat. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do because what the devil can't destroy, he will dilute. Don't let the devil dilute your faith. He, he may not be able to steal your salvation, but he'll water down your witness. He'll encourage you to let your faith go flat. Don't let it happen. Be willing to say no. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit provide an effervescence into your faith life so that your faith would be evident to everyone and so that people can see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Don't let your faith go flat. Repeat faith routines each and every day. Parents, align the routines. Look at your routines. Take your routines one step further. In the morning, encourage your children. Pray with them before they go to school. Just don't get them out the door. Parents, if you've got students who are in middle school or high school or even in college, send them a text message. Send them a Bible verse. Encourage them. They're walking into a spiritual war zone and they need to know that God is walking with them. Be willing to do that so that they can fight another day. And when your children get home, be willing to shut off devices every once in a while. Don't watch TV all the time while everybody eats. Be willing to have a family meal once or twice a week where all digital devices are put away. Our kids need our time. And if your kids are still little and they still want you to tuck them in, tuck them in and pray with them, 
it's not gonna last forever. Don't just send them away. Take the time to talk to them about faith. They're gonna remember that, which leads me to the final point. The way to allow the Holy Spirit to truly disrupt you is by becoming spirit-empowered. God wants us to be a spirit-empowered family, not only our nuclear family, the family that we lead and the family that we love, but all of us as a church body. He wants us to be spirit-empowered. Listen to this, verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he called together his relatives and close friends. Pay attention to what Cornelius does. When he encounters the presence of God, he says, hey, everybody, come. God's gonna do something. Here's my question, and I hope it pierces your heart. When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you told somebody about the risen savior, the God who saved you from smoking, the God who took you from bankruptcy into financial fruitfulness, the God who transformed your life? Have you taken the time to invite someone and to share? 85% of all people who are invited to church will say yes if someone is willing to invite them. Be willing to invite them. The second thing that I see here is that Peter breaks Jewish law by visiting Cornelius' home. For you see, in Jewish culture, Jews and Gentiles never associated together. They were always separated. But in this moment, God broke the religious laws of man to reach the heart of Cornelius. I'm grateful to God that he's willing to break the rules of man to get to me. Yes. And whenever I get to heaven, I'm gonna thank Peter. I'm gonna thank Cornelius because I'm standing here today because those two men were willing to allow their routine to be disrupted. You never know what is on the other side of your obedience. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience, what God can do. These two men obeyed God. And because of that, all of us who are Gentiles, I'm a Gentile, you're a Gentile, my wife's a Gentile, all of us are Gentiles. And God, he met us in that moment. He met Cornelius right where he was at. Look how it ends. In verse 34, Peter began to speak and began to declare the faithfulness of God and how Jesus performed miracles and how he died and how he rose again. And everybody in the house accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And because of that, they were open and they were able to receive the infilling of the Spirit. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Church, God is challenging us today. Are we willing to let God disrupt our routine? Are we willing to allow him to change the ruts that we find ourselves in? Are we willing to say yes to God and say, I'm willing to be spirit empowered. I want my family, I want my life to be spirit empowered. Are we willing to be devoted to God? Are we willing to give generously to those in need? Are we willing to go all out for God? Because guess what? God went all out for you. God went all out for you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it, but God went all out for us and we need to go all out for him. 
And so as I close, I want to invite you to stand. We're at a crossroads church. We have a decision to make. Are we going to allow God to disrupt our routine today? Are we going to go back to the status quo? God wants to advance our family. And I'll say this, dads, I know football season is coming around. But this year you're going to be faced with the choice of whether you stay and watch a football game at home or bring your family to church. What are you going to decide? Because in that moment, here's what happens. Your kids are going to discover what the true priority is in your heart and in your life. Many of us, we have kids in a sports team and we're willing to travel 150 miles to go to a tournament, but we're not willing to get them to church on time. Some of us, we're not willing to tell the coach, guess what? My child is not going to come to practice because he's a part of the Christmas play and I want my kid to know who God is. We have that choice. And here's what I'm going to say to us. If the church and God is not important to us, the church and God will be unnecessary to them. We have a choice to make today, church. What are we going to decide? But here's what happened when these two men said yes to God and allow God to disrupt them. This was the outcome. It changed the whole world. This was Peter's description. Listen carefully in Acts 11, the next chapter. Peter is talking to the Jewish believers. And this is what he says. Listen carefully. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What God was saying then, he's still saying today. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When we allow God to disrupt our routine and when we become a spirit-empowered family, nothing will stand against us. I'm gonna say it again. When you allow God to interject into your life and allow his spirit to fill you up, nothing will stand against you because if God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And if you're willing to say, God, I have an open door in my life. Yes, you can disturb my routine because you have something better for me. I pray that God would challenge you today. And so today, as we go into our prayer moment, I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads and close your eyes. God is challenging us today, church. Are we gonna walk out of here with the status quo? Are we gonna say yes to Jesus? As I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been whispering things in your heart about things that you need to shift and change in your life. I pray that you would be courageous enough to say yes to God. If you are here today and you are willing to let God disrupt you, if you're willing to allow God to give you a new vision, if you are willing to allow God to help you with your faith routines, if you're willing to allow God to empower you through his spirit, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, hands, hands, hands. Up, up, up. Now briefly, I want you to open your eyes, keep your hands up, keep your hands up, and look around. There are people all around you who are willing to say yes. Let it be so. If you didn't raise your hand, that's perfectly fine. As I pray, I want you to decide in your heart to say yes to God. Let's pray, church. Father, you have permission to disrupt us. 
You have permission to change our routine. You have permission to move and shift anything in our life that gets in the way of you accomplishing your purpose in our life, in our marriage, in our family, in our business, in our future. God, you have carte blanche to do whatever you wanna do. And so today we say yes, no preconditions, no qualifications. We say yes to your spirit because if we're willing to obey, there's a blessing on the other side of our obedience. And so yes, Lord, we say yes to you. You have permission to disrupt us. Holy Spirit, fill us with your presence so that we can fight for our family, so that we can fight for our future. I pray, Lord, that today your people would say yes to you, yes to you in their own heart, God. Empower them through your Holy Spirit, just like you did thousands of years ago. We need you, Lord. We entrust this to you in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, amen.